You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Happy Friday from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, October 16th, 2020, and it's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual on a fine Friday morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Great to be with you. Uh, sort of a ho-hum kind of week, but... Uh... We're holding in there. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, we've come off the lows here, so uh, things are looking better. Yeah, yeah. We had a very nice end of the week last week. Maybe we'll get something still happen today. Hey, before we get going, thanks to all of our listeners out there who continue to send in questions and comments to the email address submissions at SprottMoney.com. And again, whichever channel you are currently using to listen to our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and hit the like button if you're enjoying these weekly conversations. And just a reminder, once a month, we record something called Ask the Expert. I'll be recording that next week with one of Eric's favorite technical analysts, and a man by the name of Chris Vermeulen. So if you have any questions for Chris, again, you can use that, that email address of submissions at SprottMoney.com to send them in. Uh, Eric, it has been an interesting week. Uh, we had a bank holiday here in the U.S. We had Canadian Thanksgiving as well. And now here we are trying to wrap up the week. You said it's kind of listless. You're right. Any other thoughts of what you've seen as we've made our way from last week to this? Yeah, I can make a very good prediction. We're one week closer to the election. And uh, that election, I think, might be a bit of a uh, quite a focal point post-election. And one of the things that I'm coming to think is that President Trump will win the election. And I say that for a number of reasons. First of all, the pollster, and I'm, I wish I would have remembered their name, who predicted he would win last year, uh, has predicted he will win this year. Uh, it was obvious to me before the election last year that he was going to win, uh, sorry, in 2016, last time. And it, I, I just see events unfolding that are very analogous to 2016, where, for example, the Trump rallies are way, way, way more attended than the Biden rallies. Um, there's other undercurrents. I think the biggest undercurrent, by far the biggest undercurrent, is the average person's concern for their own physical safety. And that's a very primary concern. And a lot of us might, you know, throw out our political will leaning, our political leaning. Uh, for the sake of safety. And, you know, with all the chaos that reigned in various cities down there, I think the population has decided that Trump will be better for their own personal safety than Biden and the Democrats. And I think it might have a big impact on the vote. You know, and Eric, I, I sense that there are really kind of less people willing to take a position at present. You know, you mentioned the uh, pending election impacting things and how a week, clo- a week closer. Do you kind of sense that as well, that, um, that, you know, folks are really on kind of standby, not taking any major positions, wait, kind of a wait and see action. And then for, uh, kind of follow up on that. What do you, we've had several questions this week, people wondering what your personal thoughts are about how do you position yourself ahead of and after the election, depending upon who wins? Okay. Well, first of all, when it comes to the markets, and as you know, there are no markets. There are only interventions. Right. 
which I think is a statement that I, I just believe more and more and more as you see the weird things that happen on an intraday basis, intra-hourly basis, you know, the weird stuff that happens in a split second, and then it reverses itself another split second later. I mean, it's just, it's very difficult for rational people to explain the logic of why certain things are manifesting themselves. But I think one of the overarching uh, realities is that the volume keeps going down. So the, the people playing the market who are, I'm going to call them active, is, is quite frankly probably pretty de minimis right now. And I know you wrote an article for Sprott Money about how the algo traders can have a huge effect on things. I know that uh, Ted Butler believes that these uh, high-frequency algo type traders will have more dramatic intraday impacts on things uh, because the banks are less involved in precious metals now and, and might be less involved in, in the general markets. Uh, so that, you know, any little bit of um, FOMO one way or the other kind of rules the day, not that it necessarily makes any sense. Um, what will happen if if uh, Trump gets elected? It, it concerns me a lot because I actually believe that the left slash Democrats are way more prone to creating the chaos than even the right-wingers who are uh, probably considered to be the most physically active group, but we've seen Antifa and other groups that uh, seem to be quite willing to, to damage things. Uh, so I don't know. I, I suspect that if Trump was to win, uh, there might be a lot of unsettling news following that election. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people feel that way, and that may be impacting that drop-off in volume, like you said, kind of a, a wait and see. There are a number of other news items out there that we're watching. Um, one of them is the, the uh, production results that are beginning to come in from some of the major miners um, ahead of the earnings season, which will start here in just a couple of weeks. Just some ideas of what you've seen so far? Well, first of all, I think most of the, the news that we've seen uh, has not been... Uh, uh, price shaking, uh, whether it's you know Kirkland with their production numbers or Corora, or Jaguar, or Barrick, um, there, there's nothing that's been kind of off the wall that uh, has been surprising in my mind. It's more like steady as she goes. Uh, now there's there's production and there's earnings. Uh, the earnings might surprise a lot of people because we did have the roughly $300 change in the price of gold a third quarter over second quarter. So there should be some pretty dramatic changes in earnings here. And um, I think we've seen a bit of a precursor to what is likely to happen in, in the sense that we're getting these dividend changes and notices. Kirkland increased their dividend. Imana increased their dividend. Kinross initiated the dividend. Uh, and I see the dividends and earnings as playing a very a critical role here going forward. I actually think that the gold group will prove to be um, very valuable relative to the rest of the stock market, and particularly in comparison to the bond market, that where you're buying a safe asset, uh, but you're also getting a return. Uh, 
Right. And if the if the dividend paying companies are are sort of insisting on paying out a higher part of the earnings, which seems like what they are doing, then those yields can be uh, look pretty juicy uh, to a bond investor who basically on a real basis loses money every day. So uh, I still think there's lots in front of us in terms of value appreciation due to the uh, reporting of uh, increasing earnings all the time. And, and, and as I say that, I think back to uh, Curtin Lake Gold when I was the chairman, and I, you could see what was happening from a production basis, and you knew, oh, man, they, look what the earnings are going to be two years out. And sure enough, you get two years out, and the stock goes from 15 to 50. And it was all pretty apparent, but you got to keep reporting the earnings. you got to keep showing that you're making progress. And most of these companies I refer to, they're all making progress. Uh, and of course, the biggest help is the price of gold going up. But they, they should all have uh, rather stunning earnings reports that we'll look forward to seeing, uh, as you say, in uh, two to three weeks. And, and, and just to double back on that paying of the dividends, because a lot of folks think, well, they should be saving that money for other times or they should be using it for acquiring new uh, resources, things like that. But I asked that question of Rob McEwen last month who I know is a longtime friend of yours. Uh, we, he was the expert last month for Ask the Expert. And he echoed those same thoughts, Eric. He said it, it makes the, the stock more attractive uh, on an institutional basis to start paying out something that is a couple multiples higher than maybe a 10-year treasury. Is that what you think too? Absolutely. And because we've got to bring the generalists in here, right? I mean, first of all, there's hardly any money goes into specialty gold funds anymore. So you got to get the generalists to step in and realize that on a fundamental basis, cash flow, multiples, earnings, multiples, dividend yields, these are excellent investments to have. Uh, I might also say it the other way. I mean, these companies collectively could almost get dangerous amongst themselves because when the price of gold is 1900 and you're making almost 50% margins, I mean, if they ever came into the market to invest that money, it would be chaos, mm-hmm. you know, making acquisitions and things like that. And I, I think that was what happened to them before, that they all came in at the last time and paid excessive prices. And, you know, because one guy bid for somebody, some other guy bid, and you end up overpaying. And, of course, a lot of times they were taking on debt, which most of them are still paying off that debt. So. Um, I think by having a more conservative, sort of longer view that, hey, let's just give the shareholders some decent return here. They can do with the dividend what they want to do with the dividends. We don't all have to throw it back in the ground. It's probably actually good for all of us that, that they pay dividends rather than everybody ch- chase each other uh, to recklessly bring, uh, bring on gold production. Let's just keep it where it is and enjoy the party while it's on. Yeah. Hey, and one more thing about those Kirkland Lake production numbers uh there were some questions about that the internals of that and uh what was happening in the Mikasa area is there any color you can add uh, for folks yeah well i was surprised that the Mikasa's numbers were as weak as they were and i think the number was something like thirty-nine thousand in the quarter down from sixty-two thousand in the same quarter a year ago and considering we're on a theoretically a steady state mining operation uh, that was a little shocking and I found it even surprising that one of the reasons they gave was that the lack of equipment, it seemed like a very bizarre hmm. 
thing to have to admit to that you you lacked equipment for some reason, even though your production was way down. Um, so I, that was not a very good result. I think they suggested that that result should be better this coming quarter. And, and the grade, of course, at McCaskill was way down. I think it went from something like 0.24, uh, 24 grams down to 15 grams, something mm. like that. So obviously they got in a, a sequence of the mining where the grade wasn't as high. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I thought about that because when you lose 20,000 ounces or 25,000 ounces, that's almost 50 million of revenue. Believe it or not, it's almost 50 million of profit. Yep. You know, it doesn't cost any more to produce 62,000 and 39,000. Trust me. They have the same equipment, the same people, the same everything. It's just the grade that made a difference. So uh, that's uh, that's a lot of money to leave sitting on the table in a quarter. Yeah. So that, uh, but the stock, the stock's so dirt cheap anyway that uh, even that slight disappointment, uh, I don't think had any impact in the market. Oh, and I might add that some of the generals, I think BlackRock has become the largest investor in Kirkland Lake Gold. Uh, and I don't think it's a specialty fund. I don't know for certain, uh, but they are even a larger holder than the ETF. And that's all been very, very recent. So I'm, I'm happy to see that generalists would recognize the value in these companies. And really going forward, that's what we all need to have uh, manifest itself. That leads me to a question about the PSLV, actually, Eric. We had several people write in this week wondering about this kind of persistent discount that the PSLV is trading at. I had some people point out to me the bank and institutional holdings of the SLV and what's going on there and why are they getting in line as big holders. Why are they not getting in line as big holders and closing that discount in PSLV? Why, what are your thoughts on why that persists? It's a very, very strange thing. Now, mind you, the SLV in market cap is so much bigger than the PSLV in a lot uh -huh. of institutions. You know, their number one concern is liquidity. That's first off. Um, but when I look at PSLV to an American uh, purchaser, there's there's tax advantages to owning uh, PSLV versus SLV. Significant advantages. Uh, it's redeemable uh, in smaller quantities. In fact, you can't redeem a person in the institution can't redeem the SLV, but you can redeem the PSLV. So I have no idea why you're at that discount. And here's a very interesting thing. The U.S. Mint on, I think, Tuesday raised the price of, an, of a silver round at the Mint, U.S. silver round, to $67 an ounce, 67 And you can buy the PSLV at less than the spot price. You know what? That's an easy trade. You'd That's think. a very easy trade. And and why would why would the price have to go twenty five percent on a punched out uh, silver round? I mean, it's ridiculous. Obviously, it's probably done to prevent try to prevent people from buying them. So I I don't I can't explain the discount. Uh, I know and and I, I don't watch it you know every day like I might have when it's first started. Um, but it can go to premiums. It, it, can go to a discount. Anytime you can buy silver at a discount, you've got to get in there and own it. Yeah, yeah. You've got to look at it that way. Uh, I've got a list of stocks that uh, have been sent in this week for your opinion, but before I get to my list, I'm just wondering what's on your list. Well, let's see. I want to talk about, well, first of all, the uh, World Health Organization apparently came out and said that they're not in favor of lockdowns. 
Yeah. And as you know, I've sort of been going that way in the last few weeks, that the economic cost of the lockdowns might far outweigh the cost of uh, COVID-19. Now, uh, it's hard to prove, uh, and we've covered up a lot. And by these trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars we're throwing at the economy, we're not really seeing uh, the collateral damage. But I suspect it's coming. And, um, you know, you had the Barrington Convention Declaration, I should call it, where there was, uh, was I think it was 6,000 scientists and medical people. There's apparently another one in Europe where they got 80,000 scientists and medical people saying, hey, man, we've, overste- we've overstepped it here. Uh, and that's my belief, that we really should face the consequences of it. And I think we'll be better off facing the consequences of COVID-19 than the consequences of bankruptcies and loss of houses and permanent loss of jobs and things like that. And perhaps an indication of the permanent loss of jobs, I can hardly believe that we had almost 900,000. Now, the key word is initial. Initial claims for unemployment insurance. You're telling me that 900,000 people came in and claimed initially unemployment insurance? Yep. These numbers are staggering. And it happens every week. I mean... Yeah, at 930, you're talking about 45 million people a year filing initial claims. Yeah. It's, it, uh, the numbers are mind-boggling. So it, it, I think it indicates that, you know, without all the government support that we put out there for, you know, for helping people who aren't paying their mortgages, who aren't paying their rent, uh, who aren't receiving money but can somehow get a check from the government, I mean, if it wasn't there, stand aside. And, of course, we're creating haves and have-nots. Because some groups, of course, are making a fortune off of COVID-19. And then again, there's those people who are absolutely being decimated by it. And it's already bad enough. You've seen the studies this last week when, what was it, the top 50 people in the United States, from a wealth point of view, had as much as the bottom, was it 65 million people, something like that? It was ridiculous numbers. And now we're creating this on a more general macro basis that there's people that are winning in this game and people that are losing and the people losing are losing because of decisions that were made to lock things down. Yeah. So it seems a little unfair. Uh, I also wanted to talk about um, what's going on in the COMEX that we've continued to have every day, uh, the increasing notifications of deliveries in both uh, gold and silver every day. Somebody comes in and says, you know what? I want to buy some of that stuff spot right now. You kind of wonder why I wouldn't buy the PSLV, by, by the way, um, and, and pays the going price. Uh, and and uh, there's hardly been any reduction in open interest here. In fact, the open interest in December, I mean, it's just staggering. It's sitting there at 450,000 contracts. It went up uh, 6,000 contracts last night. And, you know, we're getting close to uh, – to December. How many trading days would we have left? Mm. We maybe have like 30. 27 trading days left to get yeah. rid of to get to get rid of 450,000 contracts. And and yesterday it went up by 6,000. Wow, that's mm. a lot of gold, my friend. Yep. So uh, there's been no reduction there. Uh, the, oh, the only reduction in open interest has been because of deliveries. In fact, the deliveries have been greater than the reduction in open interest, and that is disregarding EFPs, exchange for physicals, which are even bigger than the deliveries. 
So there's there's things going on at the COMEX that are telling us we have a physical problem in both gold and silver. Yeah, and December will be the month to watch. We'll all have an interest in that because that's typically the largest or, I guess, busiest delivery month uh, on COMEX, and we'll have all that by about the time of American Thanksgiving in late November. Uh, Eric, I've got a lengthy list. Uh, we had a whole bunch of questions. Always try to look through them all, try to find the companies that are most asked about to try to uh, lay them on you. I want to start with um, some that we talk about quite a bit, maybe Discovery Metals, Jaguar, some interest in Corora and Wallbridge. Sure. Sure. Well, each of them had news items out this week. Uh, Discovery had them drilling results, which were good. Uh, when you have a, a large market cap, you need good results to maintain your market cap. You you need sort of a, not earth shattering, but significant significant changes in the way people would have to look at it because of a drill result to move the stock. And I would say those results didn't quite do that. So it's hanging in there around a dollar eighty. It's still got a great deposit. Deposit gets better all the time, uh, but. It does take time for the market to realize how big something's getting, and uh, we'll need more news to finally get there. And the same is true of Walbridge. They came up with some, some great results in the sense of increasing the dimensions of the property, uh, some fairly high-grade intersections. But still, in my mind, nothing that really shockingly moves the needle. I think those results will still come where we, let's say, get keep drilling in the Tabasco deeper down, which I don't know when they're going to be able to drill that hole, but I'm sure looking forward to it. Uh, that that will move the needle. And or, you know, you never know, somebody could come in and, and finally say, you know, this area looks so prospective that I'll take a run at it. I have no reason to believe that's happening, but uh, you know that everybody's looking at all these strategic people are looking at every everybody's uh, um, drill results. There were other companies that had news like Corora released their drill results. But again, I think that, uh, sorry, their production results. But I think what will move Corora is we need to find out uh, what we're going to find in the where they have the coarse gold. Hopefully, they'll start drilling there. Hopefully, we can get some word on production going up. We don't have a, any word on it yet or any proof of it. So we'll have to hold back until they announce something like that. In the case of Jaguar, uh, good uh, production numbers. Um, what we need to find out is that the, the drilling is successful and or that there will be some increase in production, and there's no indication of that yet. All right. Uh, we discussed Kirkland Lake. Um, are there other companies that the listeners were asking about? Yes. I had, I had two others that were frequently mentioned, and we just talked about pure gold last week, but uh, people were just wondering if you could double back to that because – uh, there's a lot of interest in that one. And then uh, a company that we haven't discussed in a while called Fosterville South. If you have anything on either of those two, you can add. Well, there's really nothing new on Pure Gold. But uh, I, I love the fact that they're going to be pouring their first gold in December. That's not, that's not very far away, okay? Right. And one of the things that I hope we find out is that the grade that they recover and the ease of recovering the ore uh, is better than the market might have anticipated. And I think we're going to find out that the grade is better and that the production is going to be higher and that the likelihood of uh, increasing the life of this ore body is going to be 
quite surprising. I love it in their uh, present presentation when they say that we're only at the tip. Or that we're, I think they use the word we're barely at the tip of the iceberg. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> barely at the tip of the iceberg. Hmm. Well, that, that's so I'm kind of looking forward to see the drilling in West Madsen and how big this thing can get. Uh, in the case of Fosterville, they're attempting to duplicate what uh, the results of Fosterville, which Kirkland purchased. Uh, they've had some good results. I don't know that I've seen any results that uh, tell me that they're any closer to unraveling it, which is what we're all hoping for. Uh, but certainly the initial results were um, very impressive, and they're in the right neighborhood, so uh, I'd say they have a very good chance of uh, coming up with something pretty spectacular there. Hey, and just one last question I thought I'd tag on at the end. A uh, person had written in uh, uh, with a question about market cap and and how much it, it matters in that, and it's more just kind of the math of it. Does it make any difference to you if a, let's call it a $300 million market cap is 30 million shares at $10 a share or 300 million shares at one? Yeah, Does it matter how you get there? Well, that's a very interesting question, and, and some people think it makes a difference. Uh, to me, you're asking me, it doesn't make a difference. Whenever I, I look at a company, my first question, before they even start talking to me, what's the market cap? Okay, The market cap is what the market is valuing the company at. That's the first thing I need to know. Don't tell me about drilling news and this and that. I got everything relevant to the market cap. And I don't even, I don't even have to ask them the price per share. You know, if the guy says my market cap's 100 million, market cap's 100 million. Right. Stock could be a 10, stock could be a 1, uh, stock could be at 100. What's it matter? The market cap's the, the price of the company. So, but the only exception I would make to that is there's some prices per share where certain people don't like to participate, i.e., institutions. So, most institutions don't like to participate in what we're going to call penny stocks. Um, there's also certain levels where stocks become marginable. Uh, in Canada, I think typically the minimum is something like a dollar fifty. But if you're trading to a bank-owned firm, I think it's actually five dollars Canadian before it's marginable. So those things uh, do make a difference. Like I sometimes encourage people to consolidate their shares because if something's trading at you know, fifty cents and it consolidates five for one, now it's trading at five dollars. So the stock's marginable, which gives the investor some financial flexibility. So those things are helpful. But in terms of, you know, the, the evaluation process of how good is this stock going to be, once you know the market cap, then the metrics have to either justify it or not justify it and compared to other market caps. The math is the math regardless of how you got there. Here you go. All right. All right. Well, before we wrap up, just a reminder about, you know, Sprott Money SprottMoney.com is the people that bring these conversations to you every week. So always keep them in mind when you're out there searching for bullion or bullion storage. And of course, precious metals prices are in a bit of a holding pattern ahead of the election. So this is always a good time to invest, especially with Sprott Money running its annual autumn sale for a limited time. Prices are falling on selected bars and coins. So don't miss this opportunity to rake in some savings. Visit SprottMoney.com. Of course, you can call us at 888-861-0775. My friend, 
I kept you a little overtime this week, so thank you for all your time. Hey, uh, that's that's fair enough, Craig. And the more I think about it, to, to, to our American listeners, don't pay $67, okay? We yeah. can find your coin a hell of a lot cheaper than that. Yeah. Just because it's so, silver content. Just because it's shiny doesn't make it more valuable. <laughs> all right. Hey, Eric, have a great weekend. Okay, you too, Craig. All of us. And from all of us, it's Brought Money News. It's BroughtMoney.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Friday.